Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here as we broadcast on Radio Row. Glad you're with us. Friday edition leading up to Super Bowl 57. Chiefs and Eagles kickoff on Fox this Sunday. Chad has been busy. We've got Donovan McNabb scheduled to be with us in about 15 to 20 minutes. Looking forward to that. Uh, plus Ron Jaworski will sit down. So we've got the former Eagles quarterbacks on tap for this hour. Uh, plus, uh, a bit later, Nate Burleson will join us. Now the host of CBS Mornings, uh, NFL on CBS, and Nickelodeon star, Nate Burleson. He is hosting the Kids' Choice Awards um, in March, I believe. His schedule is insane, and I uh, look forward to him joining us in the yeah, third hour. Yeah, it, it was fun, and uh, I thought we were almost going to get big time by an 11-year-old with Nate Burleson because yeah. of that connection with Nickelodeon. He was walking around about to do an interview with us, and then one of the Nickelodeon kids had a microphone. He had to stop and get interviewed by him. <clears throat> Feared for a second it wasn't going to happen, but Nate, being a man of his word, came over, and we got a chance to sit down with him and uh, had a lot of fun. And also, Chase Winovich going to join us at some point during this segment, mm -hmm. and uh, I may have to you know, stand up and let him walk in. Sure. The good news is, Hutton, there's not going to be a lot of just huge – defensive ends with long, curly, blonde hair walking around Radio Row, so he should be easy to spot for How us. crazy is he played safety in college? What, tight end also. Safety, tight end, and then defensive end. Jack of all trades. Jim Harbaugh finally figured out where, where he should be. Uh, yes, that, that, that's correct. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts would have loved to have Jim Harbaugh figure out their team, right? He's certainly not going to be the next head coach, but according to reports, the Colts have actually – whittled down a finalist list that they're going to be choosing from post-Super Bowl Sunday, which leads the speculation to be it's Eric Bieniemy or Shane Steichen, both of which coach on Sunday for the respective offenses. If it's not them, it could be uh, Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, who is also listed, and uh, Green Bay Packers special teams coordinator Rich Bisaccia is also on this list. And because they're waiting until after Super Bowl Sunday, I think the coach is coaching Sunday. Yeah, it, it seems like they've made their decision. And uh, I, I would assume they have a decision from the person they chose also. And that decision is, yes, they're <laughs> going to take this job, right? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think it would be just a back and forth of I haven't made up my mind yet. Let's wait till after the game. There's probably some, some sort of agreement in place. Um, if I had to guess mm -hmm. right now, I think it's Eric Bieniemy. I think that's going to be the choice for the Colts. So, given the timing of it and given that we now believe, and what Tony Dungy told us also, that it's going to be someone coaching in this game. Well, keep in mind, though, Nick Sirianni came from Indianapolis. Shane Steichen is with him. Yep. And that would make so sense there is a to track go record. back to the Colts as their next head coach. That, that's the other connection to make. And if, they, if, it, if, in fact, it's him, I think Biennemi is out of KC. His, 
His contract expires after the game, I believe. I haven't seen any reports of an extension there. And if that's the case, he's free to go to Baltimore, who would like to hire him. Washington has also been mentioned uh, as far as OCs are concerned. And speaking of OCs, how about the fact that the Houston Texans are wanting to speak with and have reached out to Cliff Kingsbury, who is also interested in meeting with the Texans? He finally bought the other half of that ticket to Thailand. Uh, it was a one-way ticket when he went, and or, at some point there. Or did they fly to Thailand? You know, he. Uh, that's true. <laughs> now that would be a big, uh, a big man move right yeah. there to say. You Denver have, flies to Ann Arbor. Yeah, Houston's flying to Thailand. Right. You you need to come to Bangkok uh, to meet with me. Uh, I have a <laughs> I have a suite rented at the Four Seasons downtown Bangkok. Yeah. You will meet me on the seventeenth floor, and we'll discuss your job and whether or not I want to take your job. Uh, I think at some point over there he got online and, and decided, chief negotiator Leslie Chow. It's time to come back. Yes, <laughs> yes. Let Leslie Chow would show that he's going to be the agent. You yep. know, the whole time. This is my representation. Meet Mr. Leslie Chow. Um, I, 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 yeah, the whole Thailand thing is is hilarious. Um, interesting move for D'Amico Ryan's. And you he know, go. He also hired first, Matt Burke as his defensive coordinator today. First time head coach. Yep. Hired as defensive coordinator. I always find it wise to hire an ex-head coach on your staff in some capacity. I think it's even smarter when you're a first-time head coach to hire a coordinator that was a head coach in the NFL. So that would make sense. You know, you're getting a guy who's been there and done that uh, in Cliff Kingsbury. I- I'm not sure about their past together, uh, if it's cross paths at all. I don't think they've ever been on the same staff, to my knowledge. Looking at D'Amico Ryan's, where he's been, and then – Kingsbury coming straight oh, from right. Texas Tech to, to the NFL and the Cardinals. Well, So I also, Hutton, good or bad, I always value coaches that will step outside of their known comfort level and hire someone. So Sort of, sort of the opposite of the Mike Vrabel hire, well, where he's hiring, you know, elevating Tim Kelly and getting someone he knows. It doesn't always work out, but I do like coaches that it looks like they've looked around the league watched a lot of film, and there's coaches they admire and they like, and they go hire one of those guys even if they have no prior relationship with them. Well, this is also key for Ryan's success, D'Amico Ryan's success, because he's got to pair the rookie quarterback with the offensive mind that's going to flourish within that system. And if, in fact, you buy into the, the, the idea that they're after Bryce Young, this pairs up well. Keep in mind, Cliff Kingsbury, when he got the head coaching job with the Arizona Cardinals, they trade away Josh Rosen. They had already spent a first round. You know, they moved up to get him. They trade away Josh Rosen and move up, and they end up drafting. Uh, they had the number one pick. They end up drafting Kyler Murray in 2019 to pair him with Cliff Kingsbury. Now, the relationship didn't work out, but Kingsbury did get Kyler Murray a second contract for $130 million. It's, it's an odd selling point if you go with the relationship with Kyler Murray, right? If you're pointing to that and saying, okay, this is the track record. This is why we want to get this guy to pair him with Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young Murray and Kyler Murray. Year. Yeah, Bryce Young and Kyler Murray are different quarterbacks, right? Yeah. They're both undersized, though. Yes. They both move around a lot. Uh, Kyler Murray is more of a runner than, than Bryce no Young is. No doubt, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it feels like it was all bad for Kyler Murray right now because of the way things have gone the last couple seasons. Yep. But you're right, Hutton, it wasn't all bad. 
He was rookie of the year, looked very promising, got the second contract. It seems that they are married to him because of that contract with the Cardinals. So, you know, their coach is going to have to work with him. Um, I, I don't know. The thing I like the most about this hire, if it's done, is that it's D'Amico Ryan stepping out of his comfort zone, and it's not just, you know, who you've worked with before and who you know. You're going and hiring someone that you haven't worked with. I like coaches that take chances like that. We are uh, on Radio Row, Super Bowl 57, and we have uh, the godfather of Sports Talk Radio who stopped by earlier this week with us. Here is our chat with Jeff Simulian. We would not be sitting here on Radio Row if not for our, our next guest, Radio Hall of Famer and so much more. Jeff Simulian joins us on Outkick 360. Pleasure to meet you in person. My pleasure. Fun being here. I've never been to Radio Row before. It's uh, so it's unbelievable. That's shocking to me, yeah. by the way. Yeah, never that's been. Your first never trip been. to Radio Row. First trip to Radio Row, and it's just I'm blown away. I am blown away. The the title of your book, Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down: The yep. Ups, Downs, and Rein, Reinvention of an Entrepreneur. Right. One of the best book titles uh, I've ever come across. So well, great job with that. I look forward to reading it also. But I, the title itself, it's been, is a real eye grabber. It's been a lot of fun. I thought about what I'd title it, and I thought my life has been a roller coaster ride, but it's been so crazy, it's been upside down most of the time. So uh, just been a lot of fun. What gave you? The confidence to know sports talk radio was going to become what it became? Pretty much uh, just sheer stupidity. I had no idea. Um, <laughs> you just bought a station and I, went with it? Well, I had the idea when I was not paying attention. I went to USC. I had the idea when I was not paying attention in class. And many years later, we bought the Doubleday stations, and there was an AM, WHN, had the Mets. The Doubledays owned the Mets. And I said, I want to do this. And our managers, we had a discussion, and our manager said, this is a really stupid idea. Um, we don't want to do it. And we, they voted it down. And the next day they came in and said, you know what, it's stupid, but we owe you one. This is your baby. Let's do it. And I have a, two chapters in the book. I have a very favorite saying. The line between being a genius and an idiot is very fine. And I've been on both sides. So one chapter is idiot to genius, which is WFAN which when it started out was a disaster. Jim Lampley called it the Vietnam War of Emmas. It was known affectionately <laughs> in the company as Smolian's Folly. And then, and then it all came together. Uh, we merged with NBC. We put on Imus. We got Mike and the Mad Dog. We did much more local New York stuff. And it, it took off. So I, I became a genius. And then my next act, uh, we bought the Seattle Mariners, where I started out mm -hmm. as the boy wonder. Everybody loved me. I was signing autographs all day long. Uh, and when that didn't work, I became an idiot. So... I, what I've learned about life is there's a fine line between being in, a genius and an idiot, and I've been on both sides. Jeff Samillion is the founder and CEO of MS Communications. You mentioned the Mariners. Right. Uh, that was my team. Yep. Well, uh, West know, Coast start times yep, yep. Uh, in, in, around Middle Tennessee. I stay up late. Yep. Loved it. The well, Griffey era in the 90s. We we always hoped to draw a lot of people from Middle Tennessee because we, we, we weren't that good drawing them in, in Seattle. <laughs> so we hoped that we could pick up a you big You were very family. strong in Middle Tennessee, big, though. Big yeah. in Middle Tennessee, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It, it, Junior was... Uh, so much fun. He'd come down behind home plate before every game, and we'd just shoot the breeze and uh, loved it. You tried to purchase the Washington Nationals in yep. 2005. Yep, yep. Are you trying to buy them now? No. Uh, I, my days uh, of, of buying and owning sports teams were just sort of, um, you know, vacating a lot of what we've done and settling down and 
entering some new ventures, having a lot of fun. But I think owning sports teams today for us is just it's passed us by. It's because he's buying the Washington Commanders. Yeah, that's, why, that's, that's why he's doing that. He's got his eyes on another team. <laughs> um, you know, it's amazing. All these great stories of business leaders and yep. entrepreneurs. Yep. I feel like, you know, you watch a movie about them, you yep. read a book about them. There's two different kinds. Yep. Those that just know they're right. Yep. That this is the future. I see it. No one else can see it. Yep. And I will die on this hill and we're yep. going to make this happen. Yep. And others who just kind of go about things and say, why not? That sounds like a good idea. Let's yep. try it and see. Yeah. I, Wh- which of the two are you? I'm, I'm the latter. I, uh, people always say, well, I knew when you started out you are going to do this, this, and this. And I go, no, I didn't know I was going to do this, this, and this. It's just, you know, I, I, we've always said we want to have fun. I've been fortunate to have wonderful people around me. I'm proud of the culture of the company. It's a very collaborative company. And we've just looked at challenges and said, let's do this, let's try that. And so a lot of times it's worked. You know, we, we had the two largest hip-hop stations in the world, and we invented Fan, and we had the largest network in Hungary until it was nationalized, which, by the way, if you've never been nationalized, you really haven't really been in business when the government <laughs> takes you over. But we've, we had a lot of fun, and I think the, the fun thing about writing the book, I did it at the behest of my now college freshman daughter, uh, and we would just talk about life every day when I took her to school for years and years. And she said, Dad, you got to write this down. Nobody would ever believe these stories. So there's a lot of funny stories and hopefully some lessons that people can learn from. When you own a radio station yeah. and uh, an employee of that station is David Letterman, right? do you know in that time that, hey, this guy's probably bound for huge things? Um, or was it one of those where you had no clue well, David Letterman would become David Letterman? When we hired David, we knew how brilliant he was. And he, when he took the job, he said, I'm going to go to Hollywood in one year and try to make it as a writer. And it seemed like it worked out fairly well. But David was brilliant. The, the first station we had was a talk station, which really appealed to older people. Uh, and I'll never forget, one, one day I came back from lunch and there was a call from an irate listener and he said, you got a communist on your station. And I said, really? He said, yeah, Letterman's a communist. And I said, well, why is he communist? And the guy called and said, well, I told him they're communists in Carmel, Indiana. And you know what he said? And I said, I don't know what he said. He said, you got to give them Carmel. Their football team's lousy. You can never find a place to park. And the roads are torn up. And that, and that was David. I mean, David was just brilliant stuff. One day, one day he announced that uh, the city of Indianapolis had sold the monument right in the middle of Indianapolis to Guam. And we were getting a 300-foot stick of celery. And people are saying, you can't take our monument away. And David said, you know, the 300-foot stick of celery will add a lot more greenery to downtown than the monument. So David was always brilliant. Love I may it. have the I may have the details uh, a bit intertwined here, uh, yeah. and that's my oh, that's on me. Yeah. Bill Clinton, yeah, uh, you went with him while yeah. a treaty was signed of some sort. Well, or? well, I I I had met Bill Clinton, and when I was in baseball, and when we got out of baseball, and he got elected, they asked if I'd want to do something, and I said, look. My life, and this has been true, always loving Emmis and what we did at Emmis. So I said, after baseball, I want to go back and rebuild Emmis. But if there's a part-time job, and they called me and said, you could be a U.S. ambassador to the International Telecommunications Union. Mm -hmm. Conference meets in Kyoto. You have a delegation of 50 people. You have to prepare them. Um, And then you go to Kyoto for seven weeks. And um, during that meeting, um, the Arab states came to us and said, the PLO, we will recognize Israel if the United States will get 
telecommunications infrastructure to the PLO. Now, you have to know this is 1994 when, when it looked like there was peace. Today, I mean, the parties are so far apart, but it was the most fascinating thing I've ever done. I was negotiating back and forth with the Arabs um, and the Israelis, uh, and it was a fascinating experience. So we got a, we got an agreement, uh, and it was, you know, one of the most remarkable things I've ever done. What, is, what does that entail? Giving telecommunications? <laughs> they the wanted PLO. at the time they thought that the, the Palestinian was, would have their own state, because in 1994 they had reached the Oslo Accords, which was a major breakthrough in peace, um, and they thought they were going to get their own state, and they really wanted, you know. Today it would be, you know, Wi-Fi, cellular, everything. In those days, I think it was more like cable and broadcast infrastructure. And they wanted it, and the United States was, you know, trying to do everything we could to have a normalization of the relationship. So we went back and forth, and it was absolutely fascinating. And you're doing that while you're owning the baseball team? No, it was after the Bears. Oh, just after? after the baseball team, but while I was still running Amos. Do you, do you want to negotiate both both parties now the way you had to do the the Arab communications then? Yeah, it would be it would be easier. I think uh, somebody somebody asked me what would I rather do? Would I rather work with the elected officials in King County or negotiate a, a peace treaty between Israel and Palestine now? And I said, you know, it's like I always say about the teenage girls. I have a teenage daughter, mm-hmm. and I said the only difference between negotiating with a teenage girl and a terrorist is there are times you could probably reason with the terrorist. <laughs> Jeff, it feels like you know we kind of go circular in ways yep. in terms of entertainment and yep. broadcasting you know uh, streaming was the way of the future right and now basically we're just reinventing the cable bundle with streaming networks yep. and yep. doing it all over again that way and packaging yep. it in a different way um, what is the future of sports talk radio of radio in general in a new world where digital is so big what, yeah. what do you think is happening with everything? Well, I know that's a loaded question. Yeah, and, and, and uh, we, you know, the book talks about how we love the business, but we basically divested and went on to other things now. Um, there will always be a place for people to connect with listeners. Uh, it will be fragmented. It will be a tougher slog. Um, but as long as you are relevant to people in a community uh, and to your audience, there will always be a place for it. I really believe that. And I think, I think Sports Talk Radio, and again, I'm a little biased because I started the darn thing. But, it, you know, it, Karl Marx said that religion is the opiate of the masses. Well, it, in 2023, sports is the opiate of the masses in America. People, you know, just care passionally about it. They love it. Uh, it's, and, it's, and, and I think it's because as our lives become so crazy and we may be divided on so many things, we could unite. You know, I live in a town with the Colts and the Pacers, and I'm a big USC guy, and nothing brings a community together like, you know, a sports team that wins. It's just fun. And it's an escape. Sports Talk Radio, you can escape whatever's going on. Absolutely right. It is a great diversion of all time. Are you friendly with Jim Ursay? No, Jim, very well. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. no, Jim, well. Uh, This has been a tough year for Jim and the Colts. Yep. Um, but, you know, he's been a pretty good steward. Uh, he's sort of lived his life, you know, as an opposite to his dad. His dad was very mercurial, caused a lot of problems. Jimmy has not been that way. He's a genuinely nice guy. Um, but, you know, I think this year they've, he's been involved in, in some things probably in retrospect he shouldn't have been involved in. Check out the book. Chad, you've got the title right there. Oh, yeah, terrific title. Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down, The Ups, Downs, and Reinvention of an Entrepreneur. You have the, uh, on the back, Letterman, Andrew Luck, Jerry Reinsdorf, Ken Griffey Sr. and Jr. And, I mean, did, did you bring copies for us? 
No, I wish I, but I'll get you. <laughs> We're gonna buy, I can already tell you, Chad's about to order yeah, this. Yeah, well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm firing up Amazon right you, now you to go, go ahead and you order go, this. You get it on Amazon. I think the thing that's most been, gratif- been most gratifying, I love my agent said, what are you going to do for your next book? And I said, have you lost your mind? One book for me is it. But Maybe that's the title of the book. Yeah, have you lost, lost your mind? Your mind. Yeah, that's another that's good title. But but I've had more fun, and the response from people has been so gratifying. I've had notes from all over, uh, and it makes people laugh. And I think the lessons are helpful, and so it's been a fun experience. Well, thank you for inventing sports talk radio. Yes, thank you. Thanks, On behalf guys. of us, it's been well, it's been great for our career. I have to tell you what I think about when we started this thing in 1987. And nobody wanted to do it. I look out over here, Radio Row. I, mean, I know. I sit there and go, oh, my gosh, it worked. <laughs> and I, what's amazing, And your Jeff, first time your here. Your first time here. Yep, yep. This is fun. Absolutely. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank Jeff you. Jeff has been our guest. Uh, and check out the new book. And if you like Sports Talk Radio, you can thank Jeff for all of that. We've got a lot more coming from Radio Row, Super Bowl 57 on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network with... Former Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Donovan McNabb joins us at the table. Good to see you, man. Hey, how's everything going, fellas? It's great. Welcome to Arizona. The Eagles legend Donovan McNabb no also uh, played in a Super Bowl with yes. the Eagles. Um, exciting time for you here on Radio Row and getting ready for your Eagles in the big game. That, that's almost like a double negative. Exciting <laughs> time in here on Radio Row. Yeah, yeah, it's true, yeah. But you know what? It's nah, the same thing being, every being, year. Being a media member myself, um, it's an exciting time for you guys. I mean, you guys are right in prime location. You get a chance to see people walk past, you know, reach out and grab them, bring them on. But for me, it's just it's one of those chances, I think, for all the alums to, to kind of reunite, hmm. you know, for us to see guys that we played with, guys we played against, guys we went to high school with, guys we went to college with. Uh, and then at the end of the day, this this weekend, we got an explosive game that has a great storyline. So I'm looking forward to this opportunity to uh, enjoy the rest of the week and then uh, obviously sit down and watch some good football. How much of a fan are you of Jalen Hurts and, and the prove-it year, quote-unquote, and his delivery in that as, as consistent as he's been? I'm excited for Jalen because of his journey. Uh, I know him personally. Uh, I know the work that he's put put in this, this offseason, last offseason. I know his motivation. Uh, and to lead his team this season, I think he answered a lot of questions of analysts trying to nitpick his game, try to wonder if he's a franchise guy, compare him to the likes of some of the upper echelon guys. Um, and to find himself in this position, I think he's answered the question and he's pretty much proven mm-hmm. um, everything that you can prove as a quarterback. Uh, but again, on the other side, you know, with Jalen, or with Jalen, and also with Patrick, uh, I think people kind of look at, at Patrick and it's kind of like, ah, oh, we expected it. But it's greatness. It's greatness that we've seen in this five-year, five, six-year run of the accomplishments, the progression, uh, the fun, 
you know, the fact that he's probably, I would say he's the face of the NFL at this particular point, uh, obviously with Tom going out. Yeah. Um, but at the position, it all starts with Patrick. You know, you were a guy who would play hurt over the course of your career. Right. And, and, and uh, with Patrick Mahomes and that high ankle sprain and then coming back in that game and then coming back the next week, what were your thoughts watching him? And you could see he was favoring it, but I'm curious with someone who played that position and right. played hurt at times, what did you think when you watched his performance? Well, one, I was a little pissed off because uh, Andy, would he didn't let me come back after I got my high ankle sprain because we played New England that next week, and he's like, ah, just, you know, get yourself back healthy. Then I look up, and I'm like, <laughs> like, I, first of all, I know he's not healthy enough to play, but he's still willing to be out there with his team, and it says a lot about Patrick. And you wanted to play, too, I you're did. saying that. I did. Um, but it was funny. I, I joked with Andy. I said, hey, you've had two quarterbacks that came back out for an ankle injury or played on an ankle injury and still won the game. And he goes, yeah, you know, we got, I had two tough guys. I said, yeah, but only one of them broke his ankle. <laughs> you know, and he goes, yeah, I remember that too. I said, I do too. Uh, but, again, I love watching the guy play because it's, it's the sacrifices that he makes, and he still looks like he's having fun. Donovan McNabb, our guest on OutKick 360. What does this matchup mean? It's the Super Bowl. You want to win the world championship. Right. But you know Andy Reid well. Yeah. Facing the Eagles to win the title and to not have them win the title. <laughs> what does well, that mean to him? It's, it's personal. Uh, he'll tell you it's not. It's personal. It's personal for all of us who have played for it, and, and we understand that. Um, obviously, we want the Eagles to win, but I, I understand his motivation and his drive in this. I mean, you gotta you got to think about the success that he had over a decade in Philadelphia. Uh, the way things kind of ended was a little bit questionable. Uh, and then to go to Kansas City and pretty much continue the same reign that he had in Philadelphia and to find themselves here in this Super Bowl against them, oh, I'm sure it's extra motivation for him. Keith Bullock says hello, by the way. I yeah, know, uh, former yeah teammate that's like my little brother right there. Yeah. I was with him last night. He's a bonehead. That's well, my guy. In a, in a great way. In a great way. <laughs> um, pretty good year for Syracuse defense uh, football team this year. What, what, what is your connection like uh, with, with Syracuse? And what does – it feels like a program since you were there that is in need of something. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what that something is. You can probably put your finger on it better than we can. Uh, how about um, – Recruits, uh, <laughs> players, <laughs> yeah, starts with players, um, and it is tough because with the NIL stuff and you know NFT, all that, all this stuff, it's it's hard to compete. It's hard to compete if you don't have boosters, if you don't have big pocket fans or big pocket alums or whatever it may be. But Syracuse has some money in that school, right? Some yeah, alums? but it's, it's 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 different now. It's not like you know. We could just go in our pocket and be like, hey, we give you this money and, you know, we love that you're here with the program. It's so much more now. I mean, these these kids basically, to be honest with you, it's almost like free agency. Yep. Like, like these kids are coming out of high school and all of a sudden they get three, four-year deals for $10, 12 13 $14 million. And it's like, who can compete with that? You know, a school you would think, upper echelon schools can do that, but it's not as easy as you think. And, and so – we have to be able to get recruits to be able to comp be competitive versus the likes of some of these upper echelon schools. Like, I mean, think, everybody wanted to go to USC back in the day. Yeah. You know, if you're on the West Coast, you want to go to USC. Yep. Um, Alabama 
was just Alabama at that time, but you still had like Nebraska. When I came out, it was like Nebraska, uh, Florida, uh, you know, Michigan, like these Big Ten schools. Now it's almost like the SEC and everybody else. And so if you go end up going to the, to the Big 12, it's like, oh, well, you you may, may not have gotten an offer from a, a SEC school. You go to Pac-12, and it's like, ah, well, you're going to get lost out there. So it's just tough with the competition, but we got we to gotta bring some recruits in. You were a Big East guy. You yeah. played in the Big East. Do you like the move to the ACC for Syracuse? It's been a while now, but did you like it at the time? What do you think now? I was part – I'm on the board of trustees, um, and I'm a alum. I'm a – you know, a love from the at from that now I'm retired, uh, but it was a decision I helped make. But I just always thought it was going to be tough moving to the ACC and competing in all of our sports. Yeah, you know, from soccer to with lacrosse and you know basketball, but more for football. You know, I thought football would would kind of put us back a little bit because we don't recruit heavily in the South, and we're more East Coast trying to trying to trickle some West Coast guys in there. When you think of the South, I mean, it's hard to recruit down there. And so we had some guys that came in, uh, but it wasn't the likes of the, as they came, four or five-star guys. Yeah. Um, at, what, at what point did you gain the confidence to wear this and pull this off, your bag here on your shoulder? Well, you know, Keanu Reeves, uh, it's speed, kind of, it's, it's, you know, gave me that inspiration. <laughs> uh, and then when I seen him in The Matrix, I was like, yo, you know what? I can throw that. I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. And then what I added to the mix is the Gucci over the shoulder bag, which people don't understand. This is flawless, sexy. It's very European. Very, very yes. European. And expensive. But very. <laughs> that it is. Can't but. hide money. <laughs> he wears it around his shoulder every day. I mean, you know, I just, I just do what I can, you know. I see every guy, everybody over here really casual. I just came with the sexy look. The man bag. It works. Yeah. Wouldn't work on us. It, it works it on you. Yeah. It would. I don't know, man. Chad, try it. I, I don't know. Come on, try it on. Yeah, you got to add more flavor to the mix. Yeah. See, you got like, is this a flannel? Uh, uh It's not a, I guess maybe it is technically a flannel. Yeah, but, um, yeah flannel. I, I try to go with like an Arizona desert vibe with the shirt I'm wearing today. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I could pull it off with this. If I had your... I, I couldn't pull it off. There's no no shirt that I can wear. Not a, well, you had to try it might not be Gucci with this flavor. Yeah, Louis Vuitton might flow with that. <laughs> and more more of a, a look at that face. Yeah, like, no, I'm, I'm, give, I'm giving him some insight. You know, I gotta help him bring his sexy back. So I, I think more over shoulder bag Gucci Louis Vuitton would definitely work for you. I'm hearing everything you're saying, but there's just <laughs> no way that I can work. But I appreciate it. I, thanks for trying to make I, that I, work. I do what I can. Yeah, you know? you're the best. Good to see you, man. Thank appreciate you so much, you guys. thanks, Donovan. Hey, Donovan take care, my boy Keith Bullock. We, we will. We will. Stay tuned. More coming on Outkick 360. Eagles legend, and you know the the fashionista Donovan McNabb, uh, recently joining us and. From one Eagles legend to another, he goes by one name, and Chad's probably more in line with this guy's fashion than Donovan's. Time to talk some ball. Love it. Ron Jaworski joins us here on site at Super Bowl 57 Radio Row. Jaws, good to see you. Great to be with you guys. You too, man. man. Another, another exciting week. Yes, it mm, is. No doubt. Uh, Eagles, Chiefs, this is bang for the buck. One versus one, legitimate. Yeah, same it, amount of points, same record to this point, and, of course, the quarterbacks and more, it all matches up. Yeah, I, I, I love the quarterback matchup. 
I love the fact that we have the two best teams, uh, and, and there really is no argument. The Chiefs were the best team in the AFC. The Eagles got better as the season wore on in the NFC and deserve to be here. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a classic-style football game. What, what do you think about the quarterback matchup between these two and the season that Jalen Hurts just had? Well, both Hurts and Mahomes are 1-2 and two in the MVP race, and you know we'll find out tonight at the honors program who's going to get it. I, I'm assuming Patrick Mahomes will get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's had to do far more with less. Uh, he's had a lot of injuries, starting with running backs, offensive line, wide receivers, you name it. He's had to overcome a lot. And his own injury, you know, the high ankle sprain, where when you look at Jalen, he's been pretty fortunate. The Eagles have been healthy all year long. They've had some bumps and bruises like every team has. But if you look at the 22 starters, the Eagles will run out there Sunday. It's the same 22 that started the season week one. That's unheard of to have the same starting lineup throughout an entire season. Now there were bumps and bruises along the way. Guys missed game. Jalen missed game. A.J. Brown was nicked up. But they're healthy right now. Beating healthy in this game is absolutely critical. Winning the war of attrition when it comes to that, and they're doing that. You were, what, 26 when you became the full-time starter, roughly? Correct. I I came to the league. I I started with the Rams in 1973 for four years, and it was time to move on and uh, take over a a full-time starting job. So um, I was 26 years old, and I was still learning the game. In fact, I'm still learning the game. The game changes every week. Well, but how much did you benefit from that time frame of development and what we're asking the quarterbacks to do immediately and the lack of patience that we now have at that position? Uh, Zero patience. You're 100% correct. I'm a little bit old school in how I approach the quarterback position. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes, to me, is probably the real-life example. Even now, Jalen Hurts, to a certain degree, you know, they were on the bench for a year. Alex Smith yeah. started while Patrick learned to give. I, I, th- I think the transition from college football to the NFL is such a huge jump. Uh, not only learning your offense, but learning how to be a pro. And I think Andy Reid understood that with Patrick Mahomes. The guy had all the talent in the world. We know that. But he needed to learn how to be a pro. Learn from Alex Smith. Learn from coaches. Learn, just be in the locker room and see how the how the veterans operate. You know, get his his butt in Kansas City and learn about that community. So do all the little things. So when you become the starter, you understand it better. I think rookies come in this league, they have a hard time. You know, look at look at Kyle Wilson and in, in, in the Jets. Oh, you're our guy. You're a superstar. Blah. He wasn't ready for that. That's a lot to put on a young guy's shoulder. You know, and I think the smart coaches bring the, the, their, their star quarterbacks, at least eventually star quarterbacks along, slowly let them learn not only about football, but about life. How, um, how long did it take you to understand the Philly fans being in that setting as the Eagles quarterback? Was that an adjustment for you? No, from because, the Rams no, the no, no, it wasn't because I played in Philadelphia as a Ram on a Monday night football game. So I realized those fans were crazy. Dude. And it, I mean, we, we, I was with the Rams and we kicked the Eagles' butt in a Monday night game. I think it was like 47 to 3 or something. And they were throwing dog bones behind the Eagles' bench. They were throwing golf balls from the 700 level at Veterans Stadium. Our, our trainers run up down the sideline, put your helmet on, guys. Golf balls are coming from the upper level. So, I, so my indoctrination to Philadelphia fans was before I even became an Eagle player. So then I realized once you're player if you win everybody loves you yeah if you lose quite honestly you're a bum it's there, there's no gray area with the philly fans and right now you know everyone's a hero right now five years from the super bowl against you know that, that we won uh, against the patriots now we're back again but possibly to win another one with a kind of a whole turnover but it's been fun watching this team evolve and the young players evolve and they're revered right now what what has the addition of aj brown meant for this offense where they you know, they, they could run it at will last year and now it's a true dual threat offense paired with you have two number one wide receivers. Yep. But not AJ's extremely talented. How is Sirianni using him to benefit Jalen Hurts? This is a a new wave offense, I call it. It's got 
old-school passing game NFL principles and a lot of the college wishbone into it. You know, the zone reads, the RPOs, all those things that Jalen does that no one else can do. Remember, this guy bench presses 600, or uh, leg presses 600 pounds. He's got thighs like this. I mean, he's big, he's strong. And RPOs are hard to run. We, you know, we throw the word out there, RPO, you know, zone read. is like, oh, anyone can do that. It is hard to do because you are reading a defense center linebacker, whoever the read may call, maybe an inside, an inside lineman. You've got to read it, make a split-second determination if you hand it off. At the same time, be looking downfield, reading the linebacker where he's going, looking at the safety where he's going. This is all happening in, in milliseconds. And, and we, I, can, I can go to the board and draw it, but to execute it on the field is really hard, and Jalen Hurts is fantastic at doing that. But you mentioned A.J. Brown. I'll give you my, my A.J. Brown story. It, it's pretty quick. Okay. I'm covering the draft. I'm doing a draft show. The Eagles make the trade for A.J. Brown, right? Howie Rosen deal, deal sent you to me for the Eagles. I took my, all my notes, and I went like this. I said, <laughs> Eagles get A+, plus, I'm out of here. <laughs> that, that was that because the yeah. draft was AJ Brown, and I'm a big AJ Brown fan. Same, and I, I you know I, I covered the league. You know I watch all the teams, not as much as I do in Philly because I do the Eagles pre and post game show now. But I watch all the teams, and I knew how good he was. And when they got him, he was the, he was kind of the, the missing link for the Eagles offense. They needed that tough, physical combat catch receiver, and he was that. Now you get you know got, you look at what we have with, with the, on the outside with Smith on the outside, Dallas Goddard. Uh, Watkins down the middle clearing things out. It's a full complement of wide receivers, not just one guy. And you look at the number of catches and how Jalen's dispersed them. Everyone is an integral part of the offense. Jaws is with us. Ron Jaworski on Outkick 360 from this weekend's matchup to the offseason discussion, which is going to turn right back to Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. <laughs> when you watch Wilson this past season compared to what you've seen in Seattle, what can Sean Payton turn around for him that just did not work at all for Denver's offense? Well, first of all, it, it was a disaster in Denver. And I'm a big Russell Wilson fan. And he, his career in, in Seattle was awesome. It, it just didn't work out. But he wasn't the same guy. Now, I'm not there. I'm not a, I can't speak to personality. But I can speak to the films, to, to what I see he puts on tape. And it was not good. And what you put on tape is who you are. Yeah. And he did not play well by any stretch of the imagination. Now, I'm, I'm not going to say, you know, whose fault it was, but now he's getting into the most create one of the most, if not the most, creative offensive designers in football. And that's Sean Payton. You know, when I was doing the NFL matchup show for a lot of years, the first tape I would look at all the time was Tom Brady, number one. So I love Tom Brady, how he played the game. And number two was Sean Payton's offense. Because he had always had like three or four shot plays. That always work. Yeah. And everyone, you know, has these designs and how they're going to work it. His always seemed to work. So I always look at his plays. He is a beautiful designer of offense. He puts his quarterback in a position to be successful. You know, and, and he'll mix everything up. It's not passing game only. It's run-oriented. He's a great offensive mind. And Russell Wilson, if he listens, I'm not saying he didn't, he didn't listen to Hackett, but if right. he listens to Sean Payton, I think he can get back to his days in Seattle where he was one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league. But hey, I, I can't sugarcoat it. He had a horrible year last year. Is Brock Purdy a starting quarterback in the NFL moving forward? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, and I think you've got to be in kind of the right offense and obviously San Francisco appeals to him. Well, And Shanahan seemingly can work with anyone. And turn them into a functional part of the offense at quarterback. It, well, it's Bill Walsh-esque. Yeah. You, know, you know, Joe Montana probably had a Brock Purdy arm. You know, he wasn't throwing lasers, 20-yard yeah. you know, dig routes and 25 comeback outs from the far hash. It, it was the West Coast style of offense where it fit perfect for Joe Montana. It was either or reads. You're not reading full field. It was get the ball here, get the ball there quickly out of your hand. That's exactly what Purdy did this year. 
I, I, hey, I, I, like everyone else that watches the game, was impressed with that kid. No one expected Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the seventh round, to come in and do the job he did. And the more tape that for three weeks, I didn't watch tape. I was like, this guy, you know, he's, he's just holding together. You know, someone's going to come back healthy. Jimmy will be back. I don't know. But then when I realized he was going to be the starter the rest of the season, I started watching tape. And he has a great feel for the game. And I think the one, the one part of quarterbacking we don't talk enough about is anticipation. Everyone throws to guys when they get open. Yep. Yeah. Brock has unique ability to read the coverage, know where his receivers go, and lead him into those lanes. And that's a very unique trait and unique talent, and he has it. So that bodes well for success wherever he plays next year or in the future. Ron Jaworski with us on OutKick 360. Have you had a chance to watch much college film quarterbacks that are getting ready for the draft yet? Not this year, but I watch a lot of games on television. You know, the next couple weeks I'll start looking at the college guys. But, I, you know, I, I love watching the college game now because it's such a passing game. I mean, he's yeah. got dropped back swinging it all over the place, and well, it, it's I, just look, a fun I, game to watch. I know you haven't had a chance to break down the film yet, but I'm sure watching games on TV, you've seen Bryce Young yep. of Alabama yep. and C.J. Stroud of Ohio yep. State. I'd, I'd love for you to weigh in just on pros and cons of both guys who are likely to be the first and second pick one, one way or the other. The, the eyeball test says they will both be fantastic pro quarterbacks. And they can both move. They can both run. They can get outside the pocket. They can throw on the, on the move accurately. As I said, we're seeing more hybrid offenses, which is what Jalen Hurts is running in Philadelphia. Pro, pro passing concepts. Then you augment that with college running game concepts, and that's what you're seeing out of those two quarterbacks. Ron Jaworski with us. Mueller Sports Medicine is here, and they've dropped off the Revive, uh, which can work for anyone who taxes their legs. Oh, and my feet. God. They know I'm a 17-year NFL veteran. I have a lot of bumps and bruises, so this really This is it? <laughs> this is it. You know, as, as, as a player, when I played, I used to go, go in these boots because they're compression boots, and they move the, the, the blood flow in your arm, your leg, whatever you may have a bruise. As a quarterback, that threw 36,000 balls a year in, in this regular season offseason. I used to have one of these on my arm. At the end of practice, I'd, I'd throw the boot on there put the compression on it gets blood flowing on like wow revive that's what it did it, it, it revived yeah. my it revived my arm do we get to keep this <laughs> i'm gonna yoke yeah, this yeah, one with so me yeah, <laughs> yeah. 17 years ago, i'm not I going 36,000 passes a year but i could still use it I, had, I actually had a, i people say where'd you get that number gordon forbes used to write for usa today at the time i was playing with the philadelphia eagles was the writer for the philadelphia inquirer and we got talking one day about how many balls I throw. I said, well, if you count the offseason and Vermeil killing me every three times a week throwing balls and, and the training camp. And so he said, I'm going to log it. And it, we didn't come up with a, a, an exact number, but he says, well, you threw about 36,000 balls. I said, every year? He goes, yeah, well, when you're in Philadelphia. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> uh, but Chad, you can learn more about Revive. You can go to MuellerSportsMed.com, discount code RADIO2023, um, and just you know, mention that you know Josh. Oh, yeah, the, the, the Mueller products. Every year I come here and they, they have something cool, something that you know, gets me around to see the show, talk to guys like yourself that want to talk ball, but also some, some really good things that go on with Mueller and what they do to, to help athletes. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to take yours first, then I'll try it out. No, I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave this one for you. I, I'll, could, I'll I, I, own, I got yeah. one at the house. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's helping my golf swing. That's about, oh, there you that's go. about the only thing I compete with now is on the golf course. You know? Joss, thank you so much. Hey, my pleasure, appreciate guys. You got yeah. it. Thanks, man. Hey. You guys are awesome. I listen to you all the time. Thank, thank you, man. Going. Appreciate right. you. you got it. Stay Thanks, tuned. Man. More coming across the Outkick Network. This is Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. 
Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Brett Favre is suing Shannon Sharp, Pat McAfee, and the state auditor for defamation, claiming that they have ruined his good name in the wake of the involvement in the Mississippi welfare fraud scandal, um, pointing out that the undisputed host, Shannon Sharp, egregiously uh, used egregiously and defamatory statements about him on the show, and uh, Pat McAfee, uh, same deal, uh, claiming that the 35-year-old former NFL punter called him a, quote, thief who was, quote, stealing from poor people in Mississippi. McAfee responded with the Dave Chappelle reference, I plead the fizzith. Yes, the on, fifth. On Twitter. F-I-F, the, the fifth, which is a great reference from him. Uh, Pat McAfee went on a show today, too, and laid down the gauntlet. Um, there's a, a clip that's viral now where he's basically saying, you know, let's ride, let's, let's take this to court, let's go. Uh, you know, he's getting sued, and he's... He was excited that, you know, he's reached the level <laughs> of getting sued by Brett Favre and saying, you know, they started in their basement and uh, now they've worked up to this spot where they're one of the ones getting sued. Um, it's very selective because a lot of people criticize Brett Favre when the, this reporting started coming out. Yes. So to just pick Shannon Sharp and Pat McAfee, uh, I, I, I don't know the legalities involved. They Same. even have a chance of winning. But I feel like if you got them, then you could go after a ton of people who said a lot of negative things and tweeted negative things about Favre in the wake of this this report and this scandal. We have uh, a final hour coming up from Radio Row that includes Nate Burleson and Brian Erlacher. When we return, Chase Winovich joins us on set. Ohio State fan then played for Michigan. I How does that happen? We'll find out. We're going to find out. Yeah, that's next on Outkick 360 as we broadcast live from Super Bowl 57 Radio Row on the Outkick Network. 